0: Love talk radio. <laughs>
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. It is Thursday night. It is Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampete. I am one of your hosts, Steve Pietro, coming to you live from Bayside Dumpling Sound Studios, Two, And we have a really big show for you tonight, slash podcast, slash show, slash good time, Charlie. And before we go on, <laughs> let's get right to the magic. Let's get right to the fun. Let's get... You know what, Cal? I'm going to do this instead. How's, how's this? Wait, wait, wait. Wait for it. How about it's your intro music? Wow. I was going to say, good God, it's Dan Shackner. <laughs> At this time, I'd like to welcome to the show slash podcast, my co-host. Number nine, Ryan... Calvi Calvi Calpino Caliente Caliva The one, the only, Brian Calvi Welcomed into the theme from The Natural Welcome to the really big show My goodness What do you got to say for yourself, Mr. Hobbs?
0: I I don't know I don't know where I can go from that. So good night, folks. Good night, <laughs> everybody. Thanks, thanks, like, thanks for joining us. <laughs> wow.
1: Now here's the problem with this. I cut this last week for Dan Shackner when we had uh, Sny's Dan Shackner on. Right. Beer money and Dan was great. Go back and listen to the podcast if you can. But uh, this was his intro music, and he said it was the greatest moment of his life. So I wanted to bring you into this tonight. But the problem is, I, I cut it and I made it like an hour and a half. <laughs> I made it way too long. It's too long.
0: That was one of the greatest moments of my life, though.
1: And I had to feel good. That music just, it has to make you feel good about whatever it is you're about to do. Exactly. Like that should be your intro music for anything, like any undertaking. If you really want to feel good about it, you, you should know, come out to that music.
0: Last week I was filing my taxes. I should have been playing that music. That's right. When you sat down at the computer, you should. I was doing the
1: TurboTax. That's right. It should have been like this. It should have been like. <laughs> All right, here we go. Next, uh... next time I head to the bedroom for a little, <laughs> you know, play. I may have even.
0: <laughs>
1: this may have been my music uh, with Wesley. This could have been. I don't know. <laughs> But you feel like an absolute superstar,
0: oh God,
1: about whenever, whatever you're about to do. play this music. Let's get to these deductions.
0: <laughs> I'm going to rack them up this year, baby
1: <laughs> Okay, that's enough for that. Anyway, welcome to the show. I'm Steve San Pietro, one of your uh, hosts. We are live in Bayside, New York, and as Dr. E Ray would say, why don't you just give your address while you're at it?) <laughs> Uh, and of course, Brian Calvi, my co-host here on Ready to Unload. We have a big show, Cal. We have uh, Patrick Flood from SNY. He's a Mets blogger for SNY. We're going to talk about the Mets, I guess, a little. <laughs> but wow. you know, talking about the Mets is not something you want to tease actively on a live show right now.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, they're going to talk about the Mets. I know to turn it off in about
1: a half an hour. That's correct. Uh, but Patrick will be coming on in the second half of the show. And we're, we're actually going to talk a little bit about the future of the beat reporter and the beat writer. And it's going to get very Kerouac and Burroughs in here, man. It's going to be like a scene. It's going to be beat. Now, uh, we're going to talk about uh, sports beat reporting. And uh, Andy Martino uh, from the Daily News wrote a very interesting uh, article in his coverage, beat coverage in the Mets the other day that included uh, the header of blah, 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 John Neese, blah, 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 Mets get spanked, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so he sort of shifted the paradigm a little for the beat reporter there, that he was actually commenting on the game um, while giving a beat. So We're going to talk about all that with Patrick because he's a good guy to talk to about that. So, But before we do that, Cal, mm. how was your week? You're looking well. Thank you. Um, Have you lost weight? No, you have come a
0: lot. You have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, may have dropped an LBS or two. A little bit. I'm working on it. Hey. You remember that you remember that Farley sketch? You're looking at my no. Actually, it was uh no. It was Mike Myers. Myers, middle-aged man. Middle-aged man.
0: You're looking at my gut. I'm, I'm working, working on-, on it.
1: Yeah, oh, I am middle-aged man.
0: Well, aren't we all?
1: Yes, at this point, <laughs> we're getting well, there.
0: My How week you- was my week was good. My week was good. I took a, a little sojourn to Rochester, New York.
1: I heard you were in upstate New York. Yeah. Having right some up. Jenny Cream ales up there, or what?
0: A Little bit, right? You know, very close to the uh, Canadian border.
1: That's right. Did you go to the Canadian Ballet?
0: I didn't. No. Did you know what the only... Canadian
1: you you are a quarter French Canadian, right? You should know what the Canadian Ballet is.
0: That's that's the that's the quarter part that they don't teach me. <laughs>
1: that's that's they right. Have,
0: they've kept that
1: secret. The Canadian Ballet, friend, is what uh, 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 people in Buffalo call the strip clubs that are just over the border. No kidding. They would say they were going to see the Canadian Ballet. That's what (laughs) they would tell the wives. I like that. You like that?
0: I did not go to the Canadian Ballet.
1: (laughs) You better not.
0: I did not. I did play the the part of the weary businessman at the hotel bar.
1: The the weary traveler. Do you watch Mad Men at all, Cal? Nah, you no, never got, got into talked it. about this, right? You never got into it. I will. There's uh, well, you got time because it's not coming back till March 2012, which absolutely blows. But uh, and Doctor Ray like rushed through watching them. Yeah, he watched four seasons in like a month and a half. <laughs> and then, and then the, like literally after he finished the finale of the fourth season, like a week later it was like, they announced contract <laughs> negotiations have failed. No. <laughs> No new shows until March two thousand twelve, and I get a single line. I am saying, "Boy, sure, I'm glad I rushed through this." But anyway, you know
0: what but the great thing about Doctor Iray is is that he's so easygoing that he takes this stuff in stride.
1: Yeah, he doesn't take you know, things personally at all. No, nah, he is not bad an eyelash. It's great. As, as if Matthew Wiener was not doing this to him specifically. <laughs> but I was going to say, like the business trip. Now you were you were telling us you were playing the part of the cliched business traveler.
0: Yeah,
1: a little different in nineteen sixty five.
0: Just a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like, you probably didn't smoke 14 packs of cigarettes. No. A day.
0: I did not.
1: Have seven scotches by lunch.
0: Seven scotches <laughs> for lunch.
1: Right. And 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 uh, take the stewardess on the little prop lane that you went up there to take her home.
0: Uh, no. Take I proper drinks
1: first, nice, though.
0: Of course. No, you got to treat them good.
1: <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you're uh, back, safe and sound.
0: Yeah, I'm back. But you know what? What I did... Up in Rochester, not a whole lot to do up in Rochester. And I'm not putting down Rochester. It's just when you're up
1: there for... I think you just put down Rochester.
0: I I would if you would let me finish. (laughs) Not a lot to do up there. So if you're only up there for a night, uh, the night of the Knicks-Celtics Game 2 in the NBA playoffs was a pretty good night to have nothing to do. Right. I watched the entire game from start to finish from the room. And uh, let's start there. You want to? I want to start there.
1: (laughs) We're going to start with the NBA?
0: Why not? You know, because – and what did, what were you telling me? It's been how many years that the Knicks and the Rangers were in the playoffs together?
1: I think it's seven years that they were in together. I think it's been longer since, I, you know, like one of them won a game. Right. Uh, and the Knicks and the Rangers are both in the playoffs at the same time, and, and the, uh, the Rangers have had uh, two home games at Madison Square Garden, uh, and the Knicks are about to have a home game at the Garden tomorrow night. The Garden will be rocking. Uh, be, the world's most famous mean. arena, Cal. Yeah. But look, let's let's cut right to the chase. Let's cut right to uh, Vinny Chase and talk about uh, what we argued about big time on Blackberry. I am moments after Game Two, the Knicks are, are trailing in the series two nothing. They lost both games very close at uh, with TD. Essentially, yeah,
0: essentially the last play of both games. Right, came down to the last play.
1: And uh, they both came down to last play. Game one, uh, Carmelo takes a terrible look, or gets a terrible look. No timeouts. De'Antoni manages the game awfully. They, and and uh, Amari Stoudemire does not touch the ball the last two trips down the court. Game two, with a chance to win, uh, down a point, correct?
0: They were down one at the time, yes.
1: They were down 94-93. ninety three. Thirteen
0: seconds left.
1: Thirteen seconds left after Garnett makes a big bucket, backing Jeffries down and hitting a little jump hook, little baby jump hook.
0: Uh Cal Which, which at the time we were
1: convinced, absolutely convinced that the game was going
0: to end on a Pierce or a Paul Pierce shot or a Ray Allen shot. And then they and then they were on the play to
1: Garnett, which speaks to Doc Rivers as a coach. Right. Doc Rivers already, you know, just completely owning it. Okay, and Ernie, Ernie just absolutely destroyed Mike D'Antoni the first the first game of the uh, of the series. All right, he essentially he, he outcoached him so
0: bad he might as well have spun around, pants him, and then pushed him over.
1: I think he did. I that was part of it, which would be hot comedy considering the the height differential and you know Doc Rivers, the African American guy, and you know uh, uh, Mike D'Antoni, the Italian. Pistachioed guy, that would just be awesome from from a physical humor standpoint. It would have been terrific. Yeah, you can't do much better than that.
0: But but that's kind of, you know, we're joking about it, but it's a little bit of a metaphor for the way that the coaching has gone in this series so far in the first two games. Well, why don't you
1: you, uh, tell the good people, you know, what we were arguing about there?
0: Well, we were arguing about the fact that – why was the last play of game two, the last, the last time down the court, the, the Knicks called a timeout and set up a play to essentially take the last shot. This was, they, they, the shot clock was off. There were 13 seconds left. The Knicks controlled the game, and they had a timeout. So they ran a play that was hopefully the, to give them the win in, in the game. And the play that they ran, and this is where we kind of went back and forth on it, the play that they ran was, it was an inbounds pass. To um, to Carmelo Anthony, with like seven seconds left, he threw it down low to Jared Jeffries. Jared <coughs> Jeffries was open. Okay, now, there's a
1: reason Jared Jeffries is open.
0: Yes, there is. There of course there's a reason they double team Carmelo Anthony because at the time, let's back up.
1: Oh.
2: Amari is out
0: of the game. Hubby. Right, Amari is oh. out of the game. Yes, and it's, and it's basically Carmelo Anthony and the Pips on the floor for the Knicks. <laughs> You know, I mean, they, I, no disrespect to, to Bill Walker, Texas Ranger, or uh, you know Tony Douglas and, and Anthony Tara Mason.
1: Jeffries. Anthony Mason, no relation to Anthony Mason. It
0: wasn't. It was Roger Mason Jr. Roger, I, don't Mason, even, Jr. I don't even know who Roger Mason Senior is. Wait, wasn't isn't he in Pink Floyd? <laughs> that's,
1: oh that's no, that's senior. that's Roger Waters and Dave Mason.
0: Right, but Roger Waters Junior. was on the court in the last seven seconds of the game. I.
1: But, Which I mean, just make the
0: cast up. of... You can't, <laughs> you can't make up the cast of characters that were on the court to try to win a playoff game for the Knicks.
1: You could make it up, but it would be a very bad story. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a winning basketball team. Uh, I, I get that, all right? my My problem, Cal, as we talked about, is in game one, all right, he's out of timeouts. His team doesn't know they're out of timeouts. Carmelo said he thought he had a timeout left. Okay, so when he got the ball, he looked to take a timeout first and then rushed down the court and chucked a three.
0: Which is a a good thing he didn't call a timeout because they would have got a technical in the game anyway.
1: And they would have been Webbered. Right. Right. Uh, And then in game two, with 13 seconds left, I understand who's on the floor with him. I get that. But Carmelo is putting on one of the – heroic, ridiculous playoff performances, 42 points, 17 boards. He's carrying them. Cal, how in the world do you not design a play with 13 seconds left where he runs around until he gets open?
0: Here's where we argued on this. The percentage play is to get the ball to an open guy, right? We We agree on that, Right? Yeah, get the ball to an open. Well, we don't actually agree on that because no. you said you'd rather have the ball with a better, you know, give the ball to Carmelo Anthony with a guy in his face rather than give the ball to Jared Jeffries wide open. That's right. Jeffries the 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 previous time down the court for the Knicks actually gave them the lead with about twenty one seconds left or whatever it was.
1: Yes, I know, I know, and it was a goofy. You know, he looked so awkward going to the hoop, and I think the only reason he got to the hoop was because of the absolute surprise, right, and shock on on the Celtics. I think it was either it was either Garnett or Pierce. I think it was Garnett. Garnett was like, "Is this hat? What? Wait, what? Did he just walk? Bo- he just he's trying to go to the hoop. Oh, look how cute this is. He's dribbling."
0: So I'm what I'm thinking is that D'Antoni went back to the well when he shouldn't have.
1: But why is there even a play designed where Jared Jeffries can be open under the hoop? Well, I why think... why why is Douglas giving the ball to why? No. uh Carmelo with seven seconds, eight seconds left where they can okay.
0: double him? Listen, I think I think the play that was designed was to get somebody open. They were gonna get the ball to Carmelo because they knew he would be double teamed, oh. right? Right? Yeah. No, follow, follow me. Whether you agree or disagree, follow the logic here. Okay. They ran the, the play was designed to get the ball to Carmelo Anthony because they knew he would be double-teamed. And if he's double-teamed, the math indicates that there would be someone <laughs> wide open, right? We don't know who that someone is.
1: It was In my understanding case, there'd be no math <laughs> when I started this show.
0: Uh, in, in, in this case, it turned out that the man open was Jared Jeffries. Why? Let's go back to Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a smart coach, and he instructs his players, leave Jared Jeffries open because he stinks. Leave the guy who stinks open because he's probably going to screw it up. So D'Antoni, thinking he's outsmarting everybody, oh, they think we're going to throw the ball to Carmelo Anthony, but we're going to outsmart them because we're going to leave a guy open when they double Anthony. And now D'Antoni's sitting there stroking his mustache like he's an evil genius. And Doc Rivers said, well, I'll, I'll see your move, and I'll trump your move by saying, go ahead, throw it to the open guy, but the open guy is going to be
1: Jared Jeffries.
0: And then look what happened.
1: You just, but you just exemplified how he got outcoached on two levels on one play.
0: He did get outcoached. But
1: it, first of all, the play that he has called to me, Cal, makes absolutely no sense. How is it that the Celtics in game one had the perfect play call? Down by – what were they? Down by three, I think. Okay.
0: down by
1: two. Were they down by two when they hit the alley-oop?
0: No, down by three. You're right.
1: They're down by three, inbounds play, one touch. D'Antoni's team asleep at the wheel, and one second comes off the clock, and they cut it to a one-point game. One second. Okay? So he has that play call. So not only does uh, uh call the wrong play, okay, there's no way Carmelo should touch the ball – even with the foul line, okay, with eight or nine seconds left where you can double him. But then, even better, Doc outsmarts him by saying, we're not even going to cover Jared Jeffries. Because <laughs> there's no way they're going to throw it to Stonehands. Well, and
0: that, and at that point, Carmelo Anthony is stuck.
1: because this right. is He's got to throw to the game. open guy. He's
0: got to throw to the open guy. And, and what do you want to bet in oh. his head he's going, ah, oh, jeez.
1: See, now this is, okay, I had a huge problem with game one. We talked about this with the NBA and the foul calls.
0: Yeah, you didn't like that.
1: Okay, the the call on Carmelo Anthony away from the ball with the Knicks up by one after the alley-oop. Okay, an offensive call against Carmelo Anthony. There's no way, Cal, that's a foul in Madison Square Garden. No way. It is only a foul in TD Bank, TD Gardens, whatever it is. Okay, so how could there be two different sets of now? Every, and everybody says to me, "Oh, it's the N- NFL is the same way. Everywhere is the same way. It's you not agree with not that. to that degree. Not to that degree. It's not. I agree with that. Okay, you you uh, as our buddy Linder said. I was talking to Linder about this. He's a huge Nick fan and a good Nick fan and a smart Nick fan. <laughs> wow, <I> sounds like <laughs> he sounds like a politician. Well,
0: you He's know what? Man. If I need a Nick fan, start? I'm going to him.
1: That's right. If I need a Nick fan. He's my go to guy. But Linda said, you know you're gonna get eight on five when you're playing in the T D Boston parquet garden. You know you're getting eight on five to begin oh, yeah. with.
0: No, you're right. There's He's no right.
1: that should be a foul in one place and not a foul in another. If it's at the end of the game and you're gonna swallow your whistle, then swallow your whistle at both places. Right. Like they do in hockey.
0: Right.
1: Alright, so that's but that but that bothers that, me.
0: That was, game, that was game one.
1: But you know, he he to me he got thoroughly out coached on several and then to boot, which you 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 know understand, you're French Canadian. To boot, right. yes. A. Eh? He doesn't have. are
0: about to make a point.
1: Carmelo. <laughs> That's what I mean. Translation. <laughs> point. He doesn't have the Knicks foul. Delante West, who frightens me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> let me admit. Let me admit. No offense to Delante, but I you know he's from the A10, so that bothers me. You know. Because he, um... he killed Dayton. Uh, wasn't, he
0: the, wasn't he the one that got into it with LeBron James' mother?
1: Ah, uh, wasn't that Delonte West? Believe it is? Yes. We don't talk about that though.
0: The Delonte West.
1: That's the incident that is not discussed. I'm sorry. He he, he whose name shall not be mentioned.
0: It's like Fight Club.
1: It is. It is like it, LeBron's mother is a lot like Fight Club. Yes.
0: The first rule about Delonte West, you don't talk about. Delonte. The first
1: rule of LeBron's mother is you don't it's talk about LeBron's it. mother. Um no, but they didn't even know to foul him, Cal.
0: No. Well uh, at that I mean, they were clearly beaten didn't down know at that point.
1: But Cal, they, they didn't were... know that he could run the ball in the backcourt. They didn't know the rule. I don't just think... Mike D'Antoni not tell them the rule.
0: Is that true that they didn't know? 'Cause yes. to me it looked to me it looked like they just didn't Carmelo's... care.
1: No, nope, Carmelo didn't know. They threw he the ball in the backcourt and, and the Knicks were thinking, wait a minute, they can't even do that. That's not allowed. Yes it is. No. So coming out of that before that inbounds play, D'Antoni's got to tell them you can you have to foul him immediately. He just stinks, Cal. He stinks. He's not good. I will agree with that. He's and not he good. Cost at least stealing one game in that series. And I, I, I going to watch tomorrow night now.
0: You're not going to watch know, tomorrow
1: night? I'm going to watch.
0: You have to watch.
1: They're taking up my Friday. You know what I am? You know what I am doing tomorrow night though? No. I may go see a movie. I may go see uh, Bill Hicks, American. Oh. Have you heard of this movie?
0: I've heard of Bill Hicks. <laughs>
1: it's, docu- it's a documentary about Bill Hicks. It's playing okay. at a little theater, and I'm a big uh, – I'm not a, like a Hicks. I don't go crazy like some people do. Okay. Uh, I'm a big fan. I
0: like him. Now, Bill Hicks – Bill Hicks is the comedian that had his last appearance on David Letterman, right?
1: Before That's he, right, uh, but it was, before it, was he it was censored.
0: Oh, was censored. That's right.
1: Right. It was. It was cut. Okay, and, and and the appearance never really showed until after he had passed away. It cancer though. Yeah, I like know. a uh, like a uh, rock star kind of deal. But anyway, I'm going to see that. I'll DVR the game.
0: Well, that's good to know. And uh, <laughs> let let
1: the good doctor know that you're DVRing the game. Uh, for those of you wondering, by the way, where do- why don't you tell the people where Doctor Erase that is? Uh, he has left the country. There's a. <laughs> Some- <laughs> I, I did not know this.
0: Yeah, there's there's a scandal involving uh, wow. Dr. E. Ray Statt and his uh, administering of stats.
1: Wow, a stat scandal.
0: Stat scandal. Statgate. Statgate, uh, Statgate 11.
1: We have Statgate 11.
0: He, but no, seriously, Dr. E. Ray Stat and his lovely wife Michelle are the proud parents of a, of a brand new baby girl, uh, Riley Ann. Yep. Born last Wednesday.
1: Join, Wednesday uh, or Thursday. Uh, last Wednesday night.
0: Last Wednesday night, joins um, brother
1: John at home.
0: Yep, and and the entire family is doing well, and and we wish Evan and Michelle and John and Riley all the best. Congratulations to yep. our friend
1: and our our really buddy is friends. on. Yep, he's on maternity leave, Cal. Maternity? Well, it's actually paternity leave. No, no, with Dr. E. Ray, it's maternity leave.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: He he's he's the kind of guy I could see putting on the the mammary the mam <laughs> the mammary glands. The, yeah. The best was that he got – I guess they came home
0: from the hospital on Monday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and right away he says, okay, now what do I do? Right.
1: Now what? He and who said, two, who said two kids was a good idea? Yeah. Uh, you did, Cal. You wrote the book. Um, but anyway, Dr. Ray, we are stat-free right now. We're off stats. Could you get in trouble with stats that you'd have to leave the country? Absolutely. Not sports stats. I believe you could. I mean, I, I, does that mean Bill James is going to be like a wanted man someday? Maybe, no.
0: Bill James kind of wrote the law. He's the one that you would get in trouble with.
1: I, so you could get in trouble with Bill James.
0: With Bill, yeah. He he could de- decree that you have broken a stat law. Right. And and you must leave the country. No, yeah, check yeah, with, that's, check like, it.
1: that's like complete nerddom. <laughs> you have broken a stat law. <laughs> you you have used sabermetrics for evil. <laughs>
0: check with the folks at Elias I think I they, have, they know about this
1: I'll call the good people at the abstract and find out what's going on alright uh, so uh, we, we have Patrick Flood from SNY uh, Mets blog coming up in a little bit but just to finish up with the basketball the playoffs have been very interesting Cal in that I found I could get back into it immediately
0: you can but then right away you were disillusioned by the end
1: of that game online. right away I'm frustrated and I gotta be honest I only watched fourth quarters that's true. I can't. I can't sit there from. I can't sit there from go. I have to tell and, you though, and I used to. Ninety, know, the Nick run to the finals. I was. I mean, we were going to bars watching those games.
0: Sure. Did sure. You know what?
1: At age twenty.
0: What? In Canada. Nin- obviously. Ninety-four. We were twenty. You crossed the border. I, know. I
1: did cross the border. I went to the Canadian Ballet.
0: You know, I, I'm the same way. I I can't really invest myself in a full game, but I have to say on on when was it Tuesday night for game two? I did watch the entire game, and it was the first NBA game I watched from start to finish, and and I I was into it. Steve, I got to tell you, I was I was into it, and the flow of the game. What's hard to get into though is the the massive changes in momentum within one game in a basketball game. I mean, at any given moment. You, you, you can say this game is over for one, one way, and five minutes later, the, the team is back in. I mean, the Knicks were down by 11 points in the third quarter, and I, late in the third quarter, I thought for sure the game was over.
1: And right. they came right back. Well, so that's everybody makes a run, right? Like, it's all, NBA, Everybody makes a run.
0: You can all, and, and a run can come at any time, when you least right. expect it.
1: That's one of the you know? things I, I, I almost don't like about it. It was fun. It's fun to watch. Well, but yeah, but Cal, it's it's. First of all, we just figured out one thing: you have to be in Rochester on business to watch an entire <laughs> NBA game by yourself in a hotel room.
0: That's true. I have no. Yeah, I have no distractions. Okay. You know, like
1: we, we figured that out.
0: You know, right now I'm 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 doing this show with you. I'm not even looking at you. I'm watching the Mets game. You know.
1: Right. <laughs> oh, wow, that's that hurts a little bit.
0: I'm I'm listening to you and I'm engaging in conversation.
1: Right. What, uh, uh, okay. Now i So so again, you have to be in a hotel room in Rochester with not to do to watch an entire NBA game. But two.
0: I was at the bar for half the game though.
1: It's uh, even better. But t- drinking Jenny Cream Ale, or uh, or Labatt's. Do you have some uh, Labatt's? All oh, oh, Labatt's was beautiful. Labatt's blue. Labatt's blue. Um, but uh, other than that, Cal, the other thing is that it's almost a script. I like, go, okay, here's where the Knicks get up by 12, and here comes the run, and now it's a tie game, and oh, this, you know, and this is every, to me, every NBA game. You're right. Like, it's almost like they're going by a script. They're It's almost like wrestling. Can you- like, This is where you throw me into the turnbuckle, and we go up by 14, and we're going to let you back in the game, okay. so we haven't, and then we'll play the last 10 minutes legit.
0: Right, and then the refs are going to get involved. That's right. <laughs> this is where the ref gets involved and calls a bad foul. That's right. Um, now, when you watch cynical, <laughs> <laughs> when you <laughs> when you watch a game, you can watch what the whole fourth quarter, or do you do you jump in at the last five minutes? And I'll be honest, on Tuesday it seemed like you jumped in in the last ten seconds.
1: I, I literally watched the last fourteen seconds. You
0: saw the last play.
1: <laughs> no, I was I was flipping back. Uh, uh, I had DVR'd the game on Tuesday.
0: Oh, okay. So you were a little bit behind then, probably. That's correct. Okay.
1: Um, and then I just I just went to the end of the fourth quarter and caught up with you guys. <laughs> um But I, I, you know, I can. I'm at the point now where I can watch it on fast forward.
0: Really, I've never tried it, watching a basketball game like that. Yeah, if
1: you go one click,
0: you're yeah. fine.
1: you're not missing anything. That's true. You know, uh, that's the pace the game should be played at.
0: You miss the you miss the commentary.
1: I miss Marv
0: at that point. Marv let me let me oh. thirty seconds on this. Absolutely. Marv Albert is just
1: The you know, greatest.
0: Marv Albert and Doc Emmerich are the two best at what they do in, in this business. Couldn't agree more. By far. And a lot of you know, they they were talking about it on WFEN here in New York about would you listen to the, the MSG local broadcast because it's your guys. Right. You know, it's it's Breen or, or Kenny Albert. Or Sam Rosen. Oh, I'm
1: sorry for the hockey, right? Right,
0: but but you know, same same concept. Right. Um, Or would you listen to the national team, who is going to be a a lot more objective, but you're going to get a better announcer? And I had the benefit of of only being able to listen to Marv on Tuesday night, and he, you know, he's really good. But
1: here's the thing, though, Cal, with Marv, it's for Nick fan. It's sort of cheating. A little bit, because it is sort of like having a local announcer.
0: But he's objective.
1: Uh, of co- he was objective. Gary, he's a Nick fan. Cal, come on.
0: He was very objective.
1: When Carmelo, no, I know, I'm not saying he's not that, but that's because he's the best, right? But when Carmelo took that shot at, at the end of game one, he he was like, and oh, son of a a what facial. Is he doing? <laughs> what could he be thinking? <laughs> and we're gonna regale everybody with our awful Marv Alberts all I'm night,
0: Albert. all night. My uh, my third grade school picture, I look like a young Marv Albert. <laughs> <laughs> you no know, no, you me know, me know what? That, that's that's not hair a hair. right. That's not a good thing. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad will he'll, he'll he'll joke about it all the time.
1: Right, you know, your dad actually did this like, on purpose. Right?
0: Yeah, look, it's Marv Alberts. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I need
1: to see. We gotta get this picture up on the website. I'm
0: gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get it. It's
1: I need great. to see this. The young Cal as Marv Albert. You, you remember how big Marv Albert was for us.
0: Marv Albert was huge growing up.
1: Huge growing up, in, in baseball huge. and stuff like that. We we and then, got,
0: and, then and then the scandal was ju- just rocked us.
1: I tell you, my. <laughs> you want me to tell you a Marv story? Please. Oh dear. Uh, for those of you who might not remember, Marv uh, into the kinky. Apparently, it came out that Marv is a uh, 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 into some stuff, some good time. He gets, he gets lonely on the road, Cal. Let's, well, that's
0: true. Let's be fair though. This he he was into this. So he might not be right now.
1: No. Yeah. Exactly. This maybe in his youth when he was a younger man.
0: I mean, we're talking. This was like 15 years ago now. believe I could or not. say
1: exactly when it was because I went to the Jets Bengals game uh, in 1997. Uh, when Adrian Morrell ran for 235 yards and the Jets beat the Bengals. And this was uh, Parcells' first year, uh, still Neil O'Donnell at quarterback, Adrian Morrell in the backfield. And it was right when all the Marv stuff was going on, and I brought a big sign that said, Free Marv on one side and bite me on the other. <laughs> Huge sign. <Free> Marv. <laughs> And bite me on the other. Did you get on TV? No. Not sure. Not sure. I went with about 12 guys. That's also the only time I've ever gotten in a fight on the road. On the road? Yeah, it was in Cincinnati. Oh, you
0: were in Cincinnati. Yeah,
1: we were at Riverfront.
0: Right.
1: Okay. And uh, uh, some Cincinnati Bengal fan decided that he was upset. And again, we saw this a couple weeks ago with that awful, awful incident with the Giants and the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. And uh, he started a fight with me. Started a fight. A, took a swing at me. Followed me all the way down to the parking lot. Took a swing at me. Wow! And, uh, You know, I had to block his hat. What are you going to do? Because it was it was 1957, so I had to block his hat. No, but that's uh, that's my Marv story. Anyway, Marv is cheating for us, though, Cal, because we grew up listening to him doing the Nick games.
0: It's kind of, well. All right. Yeah, so even though
1: he's doing a national broadcast, Marv doing a Nick a Nick and a Nick game. <laughs> On TNT sounds like what we grew up with. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Now the the, the big one or the bigger one, and again, it's, that's just for Nick fans. That's sort of cheating. But the bigger one that you're talking about is Doc Emrick and Sam Rosen. Right. You know, Sam Rosen, and we want to talk about the Rangers really quickly, because it was just uh, uh, I want to ask you a question. So we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But Doc, uh, Doc Emrick's just he's so good. He is so good. I mean I yeah.
0: I remember when he called the uh the gold medal hockey game last year, US versus Canada. Right. And and he I mean, he's just he's he's terrific. He's the he I think we agree that Doc Emmerich is the best hockey commentator. We know Marv Albert's the best at basketball. Agreed. Uh baseball can can he be anybody any anybody other than, any, any than Vin Scully? Ben Scully is the
1: best, absolutely, right. bar none. And
0: then, and football, um, football's tricky.
1: It's tough.
0: There's tough. A lot of good ones, but
1: it used to be a no-brainer. It used to be, you'd say, Summerall and Madden, and you know, be done with it. That's who right. I do in the big game. Right, but now no, I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. Is it Al
1: Michaels? I, li- I like I like Al Michaels. I, I know do some too. people don't. But I also feel like Al Michaels has never really found the right partner. Uh, he was good with Madden. He was good with Madden. Yeah, but that's because Madden's
0: Madden, right? And Collinsworth yeah. is just—he's getting better, but I'm still, I haven't warmed
1: up to him. So. I like Collinsworth, Cal. Yeah, I do. He's a little snarky, but he
0: very snarky. But right, but he
1: okay—he's extraordinary. But he yeah. loves the game.
0: But my but point Collins is loves the game. Yeah, oh, definitely, and he's and he's brilliant about yeah. the game. Very smart. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is, you know, Doc Emmerich in hockey, Marv Albert in basketball, Vince Scully in baseball. Let's say Al Michaels in football. If you look at the four major sports, Doc Emmerich by far is the best in his individual industry. He's the best of the best, I think.
1: Oh, I think I think that's tough to say. That's, there are that's my so opinion. many good hockey guys, though, Cal. Is Jiggs McDonald not fantastic hockey play-by-play guy on TV?
0: He's great. He's great, but, but Doc Emmerich is better. Doc you know, Emmerich. Gary, but Gary Thorne is terrific.
1: Right. But Doc does, Emmerich. Doc Emmerich, does Doc Emmerich suffer from a little Gus Johnson syndrome?
0: No, no. As, as a matter of fact, I think that Doc Emmerich is
1: appropriately excitable. As opposed to Gus Johnson. Who is gratuitously excitable. <laughs> who my brother does want him to narrate his life, though.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: My brother keeps saying, "I want Gus Johnson to call my life."
0: Look, Gus Johnson technically is not a very good announcer, but he is a ball of fun to listen to.
1: Yes, and I, make- I I don't like him doing NBA. I like him doing football.
0: Oh, he's. I think he's great in the NBA too, though.
1: No, nah, see, but football is more read and react. He doesn't have to be as technically proficient with football, right? He can see that it's a catch. He can see he's got a color guy there for the rules, right? And everything else, he can just say, "It's a catch! Holy cow! Take my pants down!" You know, whatever. <laughs> I think he's
0: almost it's like he was custom made to be the announcer for a video game.
1: Yes, uh, and they finally put him on Madden, and it was like the dream has come true.
0: It's, yeah, and, and he's but he's fun to listen to. But I, but Doc Emmerich is just he's technically sound. Yeah, he's just skilled, he's the whole package. Yeah, he, uh, he knows the game. He knows when to to change the tenor of of the broadcast. I just, I, I, my opinion, I just think Doc Emmerich is
1: the best. I would argue Scully. I would argue Scully is that, is, is that good. Because baseball too, though, Cal, baseball is like a weird thing because you have to have the anecdotal stuff. Yeah. If you're doing TV, you have to let the game breathe. I mean, he does three innings of TV, then he goes and does three innings of radio by himself. And he's like 80 years old. And he's old. 97 years old. All right, Vin Scully was paling around with Sinatra at the Paramount in nineteen forty one. And he was an old man then. Alright? An old guy. And he still uh, does three innings of radio by himself. I know.
0: Well, you're right, he's impressive.
1: You gotta have the see that's the difference with baseball though, Kyle. You gotta have the anecdotal stuff.
0: Right. And the other thing with baseball is that it's I mean, it's hundred and sixty two uh
1: Oh my own. It's a long season, yeah. man. How do you, you can do see, you're seeing this with the Mets already, but if you've watched any of these SNY broadcasts with the New York Mets, first of all, kudos to is Bill Webb still their director? I think he is. Yeah, kudos to the SNY guys for understanding that the Mets are playing horrible baseball, and they have entertaining guys in the booth in uh, you know Keith Gary and Ron. Right. You know, the other day they uh, they did Keith. The, Keith has a hamburger named after him now. Did you see this? Yes, you did. So they did a comparison of the Keith Burger. And so this is in the fourth inning.
0: Right. The game in April. Well, when you're 4 and 11, yeah. you got to find something to talk about.
1: That's exactly right. So kudos to SNY for like understanding that like we got to do something here with the people because it's, it's a long season. Uh, but before uh, we're going to bring Patrick Flood on in a couple of minutes here, buddy. But before we get to that, I have to ask you this. Okay. About the ranges. So the Rangers in their playoff series, big playoff series with the Capitals, a lot of smack talk going back and forth. And you know what, Cal? Playoff hockey, man. Playoff hockey is ridiculously good.
0: Nothing like it.
1: I will sit there and watch playoff hockey before I will watch NBA playoffs. (laughs) That was exasperated. Did that exasperate
0: you? I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right. Now, real, real quick. Would you watch a playoff hockey game over a playoff baseball game? Not that they're ever on at the same time,
1: but if... if Were they to be?
0: For some reason.
1: Yeah, I get bitter with the baseball playoffs. You know that.
0: Yeah, I know. You take it personally.
1: I do. I take it very personally. It's business, and this man takes it very personally. A lot lot like Sonny. I need Tom Hagen at some point to come and say to me, (laughs) you know, this is... is, It's not personal. It's not personal. It's just business. But look, my question, Cal... Last night, the Rangers lose in double overtime. Really a sick game, Cal. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I will pay to watch Ovechkin, by the way. He, he is so freaking good, Cal. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
0: I like him. And, and you know what? So, you, have, you, have, you have to like him. Yep. As a player.
1: You like him as a player. You like his personality. He's like, right. they should build the league around guys like him. And they're trying to. Kudos well, to yeah. them. They're trying to. Hockey is a difficult game to build around superstars. Most of them don't speak English. Okay, that's why Sid Crosby is such a huge star. That's why Wayne Gretzky is the biggest star ever. Right. Okay. Um, but the, the 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 thing about uh, Ovechkin though is that he had a, a breakaway last night, Cal, in the middle of the first overtime,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Lundqvist robbed him. Right. Eh. Okay, totally robbed him. And. It was unbelievable pandemonium at m s g you have not seen m s g like this in forever. Lundqvist, it was i even got like oh, a breakaway. Oh, gonna do it. sam I was listening to the m s g game Sam wrote, uh-huh. great call, right, but here's the thing. you saw the way they lost, right i did now we're we're admittedly not big fans of the Rangers, <laughs> no or maybe maybe two of. A couple hundred Islander fans left. <laughs> but that was whole... You saw the way they lost. Right. Right? Uh, Henrik Lundqvist tried to dive on a loose puck, and uh, his own player knocked it away. It hit into a capital, Chamora, and he tapped it in. It was a terrible, terrible goal. Mm-hmm. I found it unsatisfying, Cal. Of
0: course it's unsatisfying.
1: I wanted the Rangers to to suffer. <laughs>
0: Well, but that's, that's a, I mean, that's suffering.
1: No, but it was, I wanted like a pretty Ovechkin goal because like you didn't want it to be oh. Yeah, but if you, if
0: you wanted them to suffer, all you needed to do is look at them and the fans after that happened.
1: Look, very it, enjoyable. Don't get me wrong.
0: I mean, it's as if you had taken their dog and dropped it off of the roof of Madison Square Garden. The way that they Which reacted. But not
1: encouraging, by the way.
0: No. <laughs> Horrible not, analogy.
1: You do not need to pee to people on our ass again, Cal. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I have two dogs. I love them both.
1: We're still digging out from when I wore the mink coat to the jet game. Okay, so let's just. No, but what I'm saying is, I wanted to see Lund- Lundqvist. I didn't want any excuses. Like it was a fluke goal. It's a totally fluky goal.
0: No, you're right. Well, here, here you want you want suffering. They blew a three nothing lead in the third period.
1: That was very nice. So there you go. What I was I- looking for.
0: How do you blow a third, a three nothing lead, a three nothing lead in Game Four, where you're you are poised to even the series and take all the momentum back on your side?
1: Yeah, the Rangers go down now three games to one and uh, have to go back to Washington, and and uh, it's, it's going to be and and without their best player. Let's be honest. I mean Ryan Callan is their best player, and and they're playing without him, and and uh, it's a tough road to hoe for the Rangers. Uh, you know, one thing, last thing I took out of this, and then let's bring uh, Patrick on, Cal. Uh, last thing I took out of this, watching the Capitals, who are a, a vastly more talented team than the Rangers.
0: Yeah, uh, uh,
1: but the Rangers and the Rangers still managed to put up what ninety three, ninety four points. Yeah, the Isles are not that far away, Cal. They're not. They are not well, that far away.
0: You know what? They're going to add another good player this year in the draft. Yep, a top five pick. I'm just saying,
1: the- they're not that far away.
0: Well, All we'll
1: right, see. let's do it. We must have a guest.
0: I want him to feel really good about his appearance. No, but if, if you use it too much... <laughs>
1: no, no, no such thing. No, not appearance. Really. So we'd like to, at this time, welcome to the show. Uh, from SNY's Mets blog, com. He is a uh, a blogger, a blog on tour... I think I coined a new word today, Cal. Hmm. A blog on tour. Mr. Patrick Flood. Patrick, welcome to Ready hey to guys, Unload.
2: What's up? what's up, pal? Not too much. Uh, coming off a good win tonight for the mess, so I'm in good mood.
1: Yes, exactly. We, we were yeah. just about to... Uh, we have actually... Uh, we're just letting the natural, uh, our <laughs> intro theme music fade out here. We have actually managed to, uh, to not talk about the Mets for the first 45 minutes of the show.
0: Yeah, we were waiting for you, Patrick. We were saving that's it good, all up.
1: Good. Yeah. So uh, the, 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 uh, Patrick Flood, of course, writes uh, a great blog on uh, SNY.TV um, and also uh, is uh, on uh, Ted Berg's show a lot and stuff. Patrick, you've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, welcome back to the show. And yes, the Mets get a really uh, a good win tonight. What happened?
2: um they played they played well they didn't play terribly it's sort of uh it was a nice change that's what i have to say <laughs> but uh it was good terry collins got himself thrown out in the first inning clearly intentionally and right. they won so that's sort of the story i guess for tonight
1: well let's let's start there and then we're going to move into uh some of the other stuff we want to talk about patrick with the beat reporters and stuff like that and um but I, I flipped on the game late because I got home from uh, work a little late and I was feeding my son and blah, 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 blah. And I missed Terry Collins getting a uh, run. So maybe right. you could tell – you know, everybody wanted him to get run the other night on that terrible call at second base, uh, and he didn't. You feel that today was – can you tell me what the play was and you feel today was intentional?
2: I feel like today was intentional. Um, actually, going back to the, the other night, the play the other night, was uh, the Mets were down like five runs at the time. In the late innings, I didn't really think that was a great place to get tossed. If he was going to get tossed, try to get the team fired up. Because what's the point of getting the team fired up? they are just going to lose that night anyway. Um, I thought he was doing it on purpose tonight because it was the first inning. The uh, play was Capuano. threw a pitch that was low. The batter tipped it, and Nicky clearly caught it in his glove. Um, it was the the ball pitch ended up very low, and the umpire uh, waved it off as a that uh, the ball hit the ground. Nicky is caught it on the bounce, and on the replays, it was very clear that that was not what happened. The batter was out. Um, so Collins came out and just just sort of like talked to him and yelled at him for an extended period of time. It went on like a really long time, so to the point where it's clear that it was on purpose. And uh, I thought, you know, if, if you think that works, that was a good spot for it.
0: Do you think that? Do you think the team responded to it? Do you think that's why they played so well tonight? They played. You know, I was, I was keeping my eye on it a little bit. They looked like they had a little little extra jump in their step tonight too. Do you think that had anything to do with it?
2: Well, I feel like it's easy to say because he got thrown out. It, yeah. Sort of. You know, the two things are related, but at the same time, you could also look at it as he's not there, and that's why they won. Um, I- I he's I looking at it that way. <laughs> that's which is always the other way you look at it is like you know they can't stand him. Then he's gone they play well. But um, I mean, if you think that works, that was a good spot for it. But I'm not sure I'm sold on. I mean, it's important, but probably not as important as Ono pitching very well and uh, Wright and uh, Davis and all avoiding home runs. So.
1: Well, uh, they they do get a big win tonight. They win the game nine to one. It was really a laugher, which is something this team uh, hadn't really had. Uh, they only had one other real laugher in their uh, their big five wins. They came in tonight uh, into tonight five and thirteen, and you know we, I, I want to get to the Mets in a bit. I want to go back to this uh, this beat reporting uh, thing. You had something on your your blog today, or, or was it yesterday? I think uh, about Andy Martino's. Um, coverage of the Mets. Andy Martino is a beat writer for the Mets for the New York Daily News, and he had a header to his article that, to be honest with you, I've never really seen in a beat uh, reporter's coverage of a game. And it's sort of, you know, you had on your uh, site, Patrick, uh, the deadspin reaction. There was an NBC Sports reaction. Sort of set things on its ear a little bit. And we've been talking a lot about the negative coverage of this team. And Sandy Alderson was on with Mike Francesa today, uh, answering questions about the negative coverage of this team. First, you said you kinda liked what Martino did. Is that right?
2: I did. I did kinda like it, actually. I thought it was uh I thought it was interesting, it was different, and uh it made him stand out, which is good when you have I don't know how many three parts have this guy, maybe seven, eight, nine, something like that, all writing game stories every day. So it was good in that aspect, yeah.
1: And then the other thing about it is it's getting sort of a, an interesting reaction, you know, uh, on the, it, you know, deadspin stuff like that. Do you see some sort of a, a shift because of Twitter, because of bloggers, because of uh, so much coverage of teams? Do you see now that beat guys for newspapers are going to have to do stuff
2: like this? Uh, on some level, yes. It's only because, uh, whereas maybe 20 years ago, I don't even know how long ago, maybe you're reading one or two newspapers a day. Now everything's online. And if I want to read every beat reporter story about the game last night, I can do that. And there's seven, eight, nine, ten things that are all pretty much saying the same thing. And so you have to do something different in order to stand out and and get readers reading your piece as opposed to whatever. Um, The New York Times has already more or less, I think they basically just stopped doing game stories, per se. And it's more of... Mm get sort of stories about players, or even I think they did a, like a story about someone's glove last year, I think when a, like Henry Blanco had gloves that he used and had been passed around for catching knuckleball or something so that's another way you could do it
1: I think that I, I think it's really interesting, and, and I, as I had said to you, like we don't want to trash these guys by any stretch of the imagination because what the especially the newspaper guys right now, Patrick, have a really hard job it's a dying medium uh you know certain guys like uh for newsday and stuff like that you now actually have to pay for their content online so that's driving readers away as well but what was specific about martino's piece was that there was attitude involved and there but there, but there was also uh, he managed to recap the game so like he did a little bit of both i i wonder if i wonder if other guys are going to kind of stand and take notice that's you know what uh, what I wonder if you know as you said with the New York Times like they're sort of doing that but I wonder if other guys are going to stand and take notice.
2: Well, that's that's sort of the difference is uh it almost kind of reminded me of what Faith and Fear and Flushing have been doing for years that blog, um mm-hmm. where they just sort of recap the game every night but it's more it's not really so much a recap of like here's what happened but it's more of like here's what it means here's what it felt like or something like that, which almost seems to the direction that game stories are going in, um reading about your team. Because you know you can just click on ESPN.com, look at the box score. You're all saying, you know what happened. You can watch the highlights. So there really isn't a point in describing what happened so much. Um, whereas sort of putting it in context, it seems to be what's important and interesting. And that's what I, you know, what I read.
0: Yeah, but you know, you know what it is. Like you talk about faith and fear and flushing and. and... Met fans are reading that blog. It's not. It's not for a general audience. It's a Met fan that's going to that blog to to read, you know, their recap of the game and to get a Met fan's perspective on the game. Um, guys like Martino and, and guys like David Lennon of Newsday, they're writing articles, and it's you know they're trying to sell papers. They're not trying to sell papers to Met fans. They're trying to sell papers to to the general public, and they're taking a very I don't know what the the best word is, but it's 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 a, it's almost a little snarky, the way that they write these stories now. And and I'm wondering, what what your opinion is, Patrick, of of that? Are they running a risk of kind of alienating the people that you know, especially on Twitter? You go on Twitter and they're and all of their comments are just are are, are you know they're hopping on the negative bandwagon a lot of times. And and my thought is that. I'm a Met fan, and I'm following these guys because I'm a Met fan. I want to know what's going on with the team. And if you continue to, to kind of be sarcastic about what's going on, it, it, I'm not, I'm not going to want to read you anymore. What, what's your take on that?
2: No, there's some uh, sort of almost alienating the reader sometimes that goes on. I think part of it is uh, on something like Twitter, where a viewer or you you thousands of followers all talking, you know, responding back to you. But it's not like all your followers respond back to you. It's got to be something like 10%. And, like, maybe half of that group that responds will be, like, you know, intelligent people who just want to ask questions and get answers, things like that. But then the other 5% are people who will just say, like, totally inane things and right. just really stupid stuff that gets sent back at you. And I think that's sort of what maybe a lot of people see too often, and that's sort of why you get the almost the snark back in response about the mess and things like that. Or, like, you know... I think this, there's a general fascination with uh, sort of the beer boarders and that group with Nick Evans almost would be an example of like, somebody that <laughs> the fans love and everything like that. And, you know, everyone wants to see Nick Evans get a chance, but it's sort of, I mean, I get it. He's like a bench player. He's probably never going to be anything. and It's almost like they're fascinated by why Mets fans are, like, fascinated with Nick Evans. So there's, a, there's all that kind of going on. There's a lot of different things going on.
0: And, yeah, and, it was the, and it was the opposite way, Steve. I'm sorry.
2: The yeah, opposite
0: way with, with Jeff Franco last year. All of the beat writers loved Jeff Franco, <laughs> and the fans couldn't figure out why, and then they kind of, like, egged everybody on with their love of Francor.
2: Right, yeah, that would be the exact opposite, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I think the other the other question, though, that that brings up for me, uh, Patrick, what you're we just talking about is, like, uh, okay, with this Martino article, which I, I again, agree, was very well done. Does he run the risk of losing the players? I mean, because he's the beat guy covering them. He is the media. He's the press. You know, John Nees whatever. These guys don't, don't live in a vacuum. We talked about this with Matt Cerrone a couple of weeks ago as well, that, you know, they see a lot of this. Does he run the risk of like, hey, I read that smart-ass article that you wrote the other day. You know, like, does he run the risk of of going from beat writer to editorialist? and maybe losing their trust a little bit?
2: Well, yeah, I guess that would be sort of the, the balance between being a, a beat reporter where you're trying to be objective all the time, and if you're writing uh, more subjective pieces or pieces that are interjecting opinions, then I guess you would run more of risk of, of uh, isolating of I mean, getting a player kicked off at you or something like that. If Because, uh, you know, if, if you're being objective, you just say what happened, and there's really nothing the player can argue with you about. But if you're just sort of saying, like, wow, he's been awful... That sort of thing then then that might be something that a player would uh so yeah that is the other risk if you're injecting opinion into things, and there's the possibility that people aren't going to like you
1: yeah i mean it, it, this this to me harkens back to uh uh Steve serby you know who writes about the jets obviously uh and, and writes about everybody for the post, but he's an opinion guy, and it, you know it harkens back to Richard Todd threatening his life in the in the jets locker room. <laughs> You know, because he he had crossed that line of saying, you know, and, th- and this was when he was still a beat guy. He was not the opinion Steve Serby, goofy articles in the Post guy yet that he has become, <laughs> you know, uh, although I do like his little Q&A on Sundays. But um, he, you know, Richard Todd threatened to, to, to kill him because while he was still a beat guy, his opinion stuff sort of floated into his coverage of the team. And he was particularly critical of Richard Todd. And let's face it, who wasn't? But, uh, you know, I feel like these guys are walking a pretty thin line. And they also, Patrick, they also see a lot that they can't report, right? Like there's a fine line there, too. Mm -hmm. I I feel like Martino opened a very interesting door. I'm really interested to see what goes on with his coverage the rest of the way. And, I, and I, I've been a big proponent of this idea that your Twitter personality, uh, if you're if you're a beat guy, should be different than your paper writing. You know, like if you're snarky on Twitter, I choose to follow you. You know, that's a, I, I, that should be okay. I mean, I've I've gotten into it with Lenin a little bit. I've gotten it into uh, into it with some of the other guys on Twitter and stuff. But there there should be a difference, right? I mean, th- there should be a difference between what they're tweeting without any sort of buffer, and what they're writing in the paper.
2: Um, I guess that's one way to look at it. Uh, I, I, unless, if you want to look at it more as someone just sort of trying to cultivate a persona, I guess, or personality online, where, where right. then that's how you get, that that would be the draw. Which is, uh, I mean, when I think back to like three or four years ago, maybe, I don't know, before like Twitter and, and everything even exploded like that, I don't know if I could have told, like named more than maybe two people covering the Mets. Like, it just wasn't even something I thought about. Like, you know, I was like, you know, I would read the newspaper and I wouldn't even look at who's writing it. I didn't care. It was just, you know, mess stuff. But now that it's all online and I'm reading it all online, it's more of, you know, things are a little bit organized differently in my mind and sort of paying attention to who do I want to read, you know, in the amount of time that I have to read about the mess, things like that. So I guess I could see sort of the personality being important as sort of a draw, which maybe is sort of what the Daily News is going for with that.
1: Right, and and I think that's I'm sorry, Cal. I think that's one of the things that drew us to you, you know, and to your and to your writing about the Mets. I think more and more Mets fans, as the negativity and the negative coverage of this team built in the quote-unquote mainstream media, I was driven to uh, reading Mets blog. Well, you know, read sort of Mets blog every day, but then you know we were sort of driven to your blog or uh, you know Matt Callan and his writing and stuff like that because. You sort of wanted to hear it from a fan, don't you find, or do you find that it's a little more palatable to hear the Mets ripped to shreds by someone who you know is a fan?
2: E- yes, yeah, <laughs> that makes it that makes it easier sort of to take in if you're a, sort of you know somebody's rooting for your team and how terrible they are. If, if only because you know where they're coming from, um, if they're a fan, and fans tend to be almost gentler or sort of look for more of the upside in things instead of just being like. Wow, this team is terrible, there's no hope. You know, it's always sort of like, Wow, this team is terrible, but you know, at least this is happening or whatever right. whatever sort of positives you can look for.
0: And and you never and you never have to worry or, or question whether a fan has has an agenda when they're writing. You know, a fan is writing because they're a fan. They're passionate about their team, whether it's high or whether it's low. They're writing because that's how they feel and as a fellow fan you, you can kind of share in their emotions, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's sort of that mm. almost if you're just sort of like a fan writing a blog or, or whatever, there's almost less of a sort of drive to get the page views. You're not in competition with everyone for the same information almost. You know, it's like right. when you're a fan, you're sort of creating your own content. Whereas if, if you're one of the beat reporters or somebody with access, you're more taking the same information that everyone's getting and then trying to find right. a way to turn it into your own thing. So it's right. different.
1: Right. And I think that's also where, you know, the deviation has come with this, as we talked about, with the social media And with the, you know, the new sort of quote unquote beat reporting that that's going on in that you, uh, now the dissemination, they used to be the only guys to get it. And maybe there were six guys who had the information and stuff. Now it's, it's out immediately. It's on Twitter immediately. Everybody's got the information. So they really have to maybe embellish or maybe try to find their voice, as you said, or or try to find a persona, as you said, to uh, change that information up. So it's, it's, I tell you the media cover this team has been awful. <laughs> We're going to talk about the, the team itself in a minute cuz Cal has a rant and if you could see him right now Patrick, he is literally off the ground. He cannot wait to get this rant out. But um okay. Uh, but it's really it, the coverage of this team to me between WFAN, between ESPN New York now, which, uh you know is almost as interesting as the team itself as they go through this bankruptcy and as they go through this the Madoff case and as they you know they play bad fundamental baseball and blah 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 blah. the coverage to me is almost as interesting like i i talked to cal and i'm like i wonder what they're going to kill him on today like yeah. like emis was released and you would have thought they released a five-time gold glove uh you know and i'm a rule Fiveist, admittedly you cal, called me out on that last week ble- i'm ble- I'm, an, I'm an anti-rule five guy um but it's sort of like being an anti-anti uh, dentite, Patrick. You know, there's there's really no hope for us. But um, okay. But now, Cal, uh, so comment. Well, well, no,
0: I listen. We we do the show every week. People hear me talk all the time. So I'm I'm going to defer here to Patrick. And I just I have a, a very simple question for you. This team was one inning away from the World Series five years ago, and since then. It, it's just it's just deteriorated into into the into the mess that it is today. My question for you is is what happened? Do you do you have any explanation as to as to what has gone on here that that has led this team? I mean that's we're going back to 2006 with that, but just two years ago, Sports Illustrated picked them to go to the World Series. So can you? I mean we go back and forth on this all the time, and we and we're trying to get our head around this. What do you have a theory? Do you have any idea? Like, why this is happening right now?
2: I have some idea, sort of, if you want to sort of like the whole downhill thing from 2006. The first thing is that the 2006, like, team overachieved big time. I mean, not, I mean, they had a lot of good players, but sort of things, if you look at, like, the number of runs they scored against the number of runs they allowed, and sort of who's on the pitching staff of that team, um, and, like, Andy Chavez had a ridiculous year, all those sorts of things, was that that was more of, like, a mid-80s win team, then whatever, they won, like, 96 games, something like that. So I think that's the first important thing, is it's not so much of a, like, from 2006 to 2007, it wasn't like a drop off of, like, 10 games, it was more of, like, it was sort of like the same talent level. Um, And that team just happened to overachieve and make its way all the way to the the National League Championship Series, which was great. Um, But that sort of raised everyone's expectations. Then you have 2007, where they more or less played, as well as they, you know, they sort of played up to their level. They had the class at the end of the year, um, which is sort of, I, I actually have no explanation for that. I don't know why that happened. That was <laughs> <awful>. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. Um, right. And then you have 2008 where they got Santana. So everyone was like, that was sort of uh, like, oh, look, they're fixed now. Um, but That's it was right. sort of everyone was old. People started getting hurt, you know, like Pedro was out all the time, those sorts of things. And because they had signed Beltron and, you know, Pedro and all those things and made all those trades. There was no young players coming back up to fill the gaps. So when anyone, everyone got hurt, they had to play a terrible player, which sort Plus of like 2008 and nine. And, well, they, and they, also the
0: Willy, they also had the whole Willie. They also had the whole Willie Randolph thing in the middle of 2008 too.
2: Oh yeah, God, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. Cause it really—that's all part been, of
0: my thesis too.
2: <laughs> only one thing after another, and just yeah. I mean, it's been an interesting team at least. It's been interesting. So many things that happened that you have to. I mean, there's like the Tony Bernard thing and Omar and I you know calling out a reporter in the middle of a press conference, which is absurd, and all kinds of That's things right. like that
1: <laughs> you can't no you you couldn't write what's happened in the last five years and and but I think you hit on a very critical theme here and and Cal, maybe this uh, speaks to your theory
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: but you know look at the pitching staffs, look at the pitching staffs there is not a dominant pitching staff in the in the bunch. I mean like you said in 2006 and I think that's a great great um observation Patrick in the sense that they won 97 games they probably should have won 87 games but they went on that west coast swing got ridiculously hot and never looked back and I feel but I you know John Maine and Oliver Perez pitched games 6 and 7 in that series in in, in the NLCS and and they never had a pitching staff that would uh, – that that should have made them as successful as they were in 06, 07, and 08. 08 uh, – 07, they won 89 games. 08, they won 89 games. And, and, and But the staffs are never there. Staffs are never there. No. And I, I think that's a key ingredient. And then, of course, you just have the deterioration. Now, Cal. Yeah. You said you had a theory.
0: Well, part, part of my theory – and I'd love to get Patrick's take on this as well. Um, guys like Roy, uh, David Wright, Jose Reyes—they've been here throughout this whole thing. And Doctor E. Ray brings this up all the time with us. And he's a Yankee fan, so he admittedly doesn't get it. And he he always asks us, "What?" I just I don't understand why this team is so bad. You know, they're not Washington Nationals bad when you look at their talent. And my theory for that is that every year has left a scar with these guys. You know, 2006, they overachieved, like you said, but then losing in in the in the NLCS, which they were supposed to have won, it left a scar. Now they bounced back in 2007, and they looked good, but then they had the collapse in 07. That's another scar. Then they had the collapse in 08. That's another scar. Now you go into 2009, you're opening up City Field, and the park gets in everybody's head, and it's just it's been too much for these guys to handle. And my theory is that. Yeah, they're professional ball players and they're supposed to be above all of this, but they're also human beings. Look at David Wright. He's a, he's a human being. He's a man, and there's only so much that this guy can take before he lets it get to him. And I just, you know, you're, you're, you're closer to the team than we are. I, just, I don't know what kind of thought you have on that, because I just think that the scars left from the last five years, plus the constant negativity from the media, and from the fans who basically expect them to fail if they don't score a run in the first inning of every game, I, I think it's—I th- I really think it's gotten to these guys. What do you—what do you think about that?
2: Um, I mean that's an interesting point. Is that sort of it's almost like a nightmare year every year? Um, I guess maybe 2010 is less of a nightmare year if only because there were no expectations, uh, which would be a nice change. And there have been expectations every year, otherwise, which is why they sort of gone downhill. I mean, Wright and Reyes were sort of two of the best players in baseball from, like, that 2006-2008 stretch. And then, sort of, City Field opens. And I actually kind of blame Jerry Manuel for both of their struggles. That's my theory. Ooh, nice. Um, with what Go happened. on. Yeah, cause he <laughs> supposedly, you know, like, supposedly you hear things where he's, like, working with the hitters and stuff like that. Because, you know, Hocho was the hitting coach for a while and nothing really bad was happening with him. He was there when they were both playing well and when they, when they sort of weren't playing so well. It's really sort of like Jerry Manuel shows up, and then all of a sudden Wright has two of the worst offensive seasons of his career. Reyes is hurt and then kind of bad the next year. That's my theory. I like to push that one out there. I just blame Jerry <laughs> Manuel for everything.
1: That's uh, not bad. I I, I I like your ideas, and I'd love a brochure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think, Cal, you make a very interesting point. And, and on that note, guys, I heard tonight during the broadcast that David Wright and Jose Reyes uh, played and started in their 800th game tonight. As Mets together in the lineup, and that's the most of any two Met teammates. Um, the previous record uh, they you know they destroyed the previous record, which was uh, uh, Bud Harrelson and Jerry Grody, uh, and they were at like 749. So these guys have played 800 games together. Tonight was their 800th game, and you know if you look at where they were four years ago uh David Wright having MVP type seasons, Jose Reyes in 2008 has an MVP type season. To where they are now and they're still only 27 or 28 years old. My my question would be Patrick, is there reclamation for these two guys in New York? Now we we know Jose Reyes is probably not going to be here. Uh but is, is there a reclamation for David Wright or 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 is he just not going to be part of the solution for this team?
2: Well, uh well. First of all, I think I think Reyes stays. I think oh, unless um, unless he's free agency, unless is free agency, and somebody gets offers him some sort of absurd contract, I think they'll bring him back. Because even though the Mets are sort of bad right now, you you make your team better by keeping your good players and adding other players a- into it. It's sort of like you don't. It's like if you're bad, you don't get rid of your good players if you can keep them. You right. know, unless you have to to get more back. I think Ray S. Is, is, is only because there's like, this there isn't really a replacement for him and shortstop in general in Major League Baseball right now. And it's like nobody's good. It's like Toplitsky right. and Hanley Ramirez, I'm nobody. But, um, I think, I think Wright will be, I don't know, I worry with him in City Field still because he sort of had, you know, either 2009 where he has no power but he's still getting on base and hitting for average, and then last year where if the power comes back, then he's not hitting for average anymore. Um, and it's strikeouts counselors are still way up that sort of thing but um, I feel like you, you keep those two guys and you put better players around them and then absolutely yeah there's still plenty of time for them to sort of become what was what everyone I think imagined in 2006
0: so Patrick are they going to be able to get those better players though with 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 the state of the team and the ownership uh, situation
2: well I guess sort of my my thought process on that is like I'd rather have even if even if they can't spend money anymore which I don't think anyone really knows. I think they can spend money, um, right. but we'll see. It's sort of, would you rather have Sandy Allison and, like, $80 million payroll or Omar Minaya and $140 million? Because we've already uh, seen what an... Omar Minaya can do with $140 million, and it's not much. <laughs> so okay. I think I'd rather take my chances with the new regime and, and less money. If it is less money, I don't think it's going to be less money.
1: That's a great point. Do you think that Patrick? We're reading a lot about the finalists here to come in and take a piece of this team, you know, and uh, and you know they're looking at their their proposals and stuff like that, and and you know you're reading that and that it could be up to forty nine percent of this team. Do do you think at the end of the day, your gut feeling that the Willpons are able to hold on to this team?
2: Oh man. Um,
1: <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's a widowmaker. I'm sorry. That's a big. Oh man. I'm
2: sorry. I'm gonna just gut feeling. I'm gonna say that they are. Yeah. I'm gonna say that, that they are. My, yeah. Cause it, that's mine too. They're not looking to sell. They're not. They're they're looking to retain majority control and all those kind of things. I think the biggest problem is just sort of with in terms of like you hear that like they can't get loans anymore, things like that. And so just making payroll meet things like like you know the month to month stuff where like if a tenant you know it rains a lot one month. You're right. not getting that tenant's money in, and you still pay Carlos Beltron. Sort of having the next, like another owner in there uh, would help out just because that owner can you know, make sure the payroll gets met and things like that without having to take out loans, which apparently they can't do anymore. So.
1: <laughs> the rent's too damn high, party? Is
2: that? Exactly.
1: That, yeah. the, the rents do, Will Palms. I just think that they're going to have to sell a lot more of the team, though, that when they came out and Freddie and, and Jeff were sort of saying, you know, <laughs> we're only selling 20, 25%. That's all we need. We just need a couple of bucks. Just, I want to get a burger, and, you know, we're a little shy this month. Uh, to now, it's like 49% of that team is going, and whoever buys that 49%, I think, doesn't just want their name on the stationery.
2: <laughs> I,
1: I I think they're going to ask for a little bit of control.
2: Well, yeah, that would, that would be the thing then if... Uh... It's sort of what's the point of buying a baseball team if you don't get to make it. You know, it's it's like you, you make money off a baseball team, but I don't think there are better investments than a baseball team. So it's sort of more just like an expensive play thing. So why pay so much money for it unless you think you're going to get to play with it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, where's our Jay-Z? We want a Jay-Z. <laughs>
2: you no, know, see, that's what they really need. They need someone who just wants to throw their name on it and then sit back and just be like, you know, look at me, I own the team. Even though he doesn't really do anything, he's just kind of there to be on billboards for the Nets or whatever.
1: Exactly. I, I was I was kind of hoping – you're right. Or, well, not him. But I was kind of hoping Chris Rock would, you know, uh, after, after he destroyed them on Letterman, right. I was kind of hoping Chris Rock would be like, you know, let's put together some people and, and uh, buy the team. Or Jerry Seinfeld because goodness knows he has the money. He could probably well, buy the team outright.
0: Essentially, the entire cast of the movie Grown Ups are all Met fans, right? Kevin James,
1: Chris Rock. Adam Sandler, Bring, bring them all in. Right. <laughs> It would certainly be funny in the board meetings. Um, well, actually, that movie wasn't very funny. Um, Pat, Patrick, just a couple more things real quick. They, they did get a win tonight. Jason Bay back in the lineup. I'll admit there was a little sort of spring in their step. Look, they're not as bad as 5-13. and 13. Um, But is Terry Collins going to really rue the day he said we're going to play the game the right way?
2: I'm sure, he already has. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was there a worse thing that that was, he could have said?
2: In, in the way that the first whatever 18 games of the season went, that was absolutely the worst thing he could have said. Because they just did like everything wrong. Basically, like all it was all the griddle things. It was just like base running mistakes, didn't throw strikes. Like oh, you yeah. know they fell down in the outfield. Nobody nobody on the team can apparently field in the outfield. Which is right. Yeah, just it, 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 it definitely was the worst thing for him to, to come out and say right away.
1: I think a very th- uh, interesting thing. I don't know uh Patrick if you caught the interview with Alderson uh on Mike Francesa's program today here in New York uh on WFAN. Um but uh Alderson's interview was 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 really good. Did you happen to catch it?
2: I did not, but I think I read the uh, little summary on Mets blog, right. which is mostly what I do anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. And Matt Cerrone and, and uh, Mr. Barron do a wonderful job at that, So, uh, which you pretty much got all you needed. I-, I listened to see if Francesa would go after him the way he went after Terry Collins. And in fairness to Francesa, he was very respectful, and he let Sandy Alderson speak, um, which was a nice change of pace. Uh, a, unbelievably glad this guy's running the team. Uh, and B, he said, "Look, help's not on the way. This is your team, because the guys in the farm uh, farm system, you know, the, the 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 prospects that are there, the the Mejias and the Brad Holtz and the Matt Harvey's are not ready. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think he's he's sort of uh, playing chicken a little bit? Uh, you know." Or do you think that uh do you think we will see some of these guys this year?
2: Um, well first of all, I have heard uh Francesa and Alderson uh before earlier in the year and I have to say just quickly that it's it's sort of one of the most unintentionally funny things I'll ever listen to. they only <laughs> just like both both of them are like so positive that they understand baseball but only one of them really does. Yeah. And it's just like Francesca, like, just, like, like saying all these, like, these things that clearly Samuelson just thinks is really dumb. And he has to, like, try to come up with ways to, like, politely dismiss it. And it's great. It's like the whole it thing. Was, is, like, it, it
1: was, was magnificent good. to see Mike yeah. get owned. I mean, really yeah. owned, like, genuinely owned by a guy who's way smarter than him.
0: Well, yeah, you can like tell he, that he's intimidated by him, too, Francesca. And he tries to compensate for it by, by his bluster, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, today, today was a little
1: different. Yes, it was it was uh, fantastic. But do you but, think uh, we'll, um, we'll do you think we'll see some of these young guys? I mean, do you think that that they're that far away?
2: I think you'll see. I don't think there's any way you think have met Harvey anytime soon. But um, no. maybe Mickey uh, later. On. I, I mean, I think what she's in the rotation already right now, and then sort of Caffiano, and when Young gets back. Those are sort of like your six, first six guys. If anyone gets hurt, then I think uh, I Mickey mean, is the first guy up. He's pitching fantastic at A. so I think there's a pretty good chance to see him. Um, and I mean, then there's just kind of the other guys that you might see, like Evans and, and Duda will come back, I'm sure, who will kind of be up and down. But um, in terms of help being on the way, uh, not really. There isn't the impact guy that's like ready right, right now in the minor leagues. They have a bunch of sort of interesting bat guys, bench guys, like the Dudas and the, the Evans and that sort of thing. Um, and new and Heiss and whoever, but um, no, the team as is is probably the team as is for a while.
0: Now, um, Patrick, I got, I got one more thing for you. The last thing for me is that um, it's it's obviously going to be a trying year, and it's it's been a trying month of April already. What what's your opinion on on Terry Collins as far as him being not? Now, obviously, the, Sandy Olsen gave him a vote of confidence; he's not going anywhere. Um, I think any anybody who's who's calling for Terry Collins to be fired and replaced by Wally Backman is just not, you know, realistic. Um, but how do you think Terry Collins is going to be able to handle this type of season that it looks like they're in for with a lot of transition? And Now, keep in mind, he hasn't managed in the big leagues in over 10 years, and he has a knack for being a little testy. Do you think now, to, to be, you know... I'm being politically correct, but yeah. Um, with all of that said, how, how do you think Terry Collins is going to be able to handle this ship for, for the next few
2: months? I mean, he survived this, and I can't see any part of the season going any worse than this. So oh, I think he'll, he'll be all right. He didn't he did not like... <laughs> he, he sort of... Or maybe this the thing 10 years ago, which he was sort of angry and almost out of control a little bit. Of time. Not. I don't know if he's out of control, but sort of had problems with the media. It seems oh. now... 10 years later or whatever he seems, at least the way I've, I've seen it he knows what he's doing now, he's like way in control of everything, um, even though he's not sort of letting on to it, which is sort of what you saw with him sort of coming out and arguing the other night, not getting himself thrown out in a situation where it wouldn't have done much good and then tonight mm-hmm. going out and getting himself thrown out on purpose, those sorts of things and sort of his handling of the media, I think he knows what he's doing, even if he uh, sometimes seems a little, uh, I don't know Kind of like a baseball guy, I guess I'd say. Just sort of like you know, I'm the manager. I talk manager Y's and that sort of thing. He right.
0: Just, he just he just looks like he's gonna explode at any minute. Like he's, <laughs> he's trying so hard to temper his emotions, but like he looks like he's just wound up so tight, you know?
2: Yeah, you'll see that in the press conferences sometimes where it does. It's sort of terrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's but he's not exploding, which I think is 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 good. He's, he's which is good. Control. You're right. Yeah. I think he, he knows he knows how to handle it all now, which is good I think he'll be fine for the whole year. they brought supposedly Sandy Alderson said they brought him in for they like the way he handled the young players when he was the minor league coordinator last year, so I think he's the perfect guy for sort of you know getting guys adjusted to the major leagues all that kind of thing he's a, He's a good manager for the team right now the next couple of years
1: I think he uh, the other night when uh, Harrison played that ball so beautifully and they showed a shot of him in the dugout. he looked a lot like job. With the, I, I I think I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> like he just he just had that look like, look at Banner, Michael. I've made a huge mistake. Uh, but I I I agree with it. And Alderson said as much on uh, FAN today, and it was very interesting, uh, to hear him say exactly what you just said, uh, Patrick. That this is the worst. Hopefully that he's going to see. And he didn't scratch anybody's eyes out or explode like a leprechaun, you know, like just go ape. And and that's a good sign, you know, because and, and, Sandy Olison, to me, essentially said today, like, if he was going to do it, he would have already and he hasn't. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so, like, maybe he's learned.
2: Yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it too. He have not you know, he hasn't. I mean, supposedly he held the mercy in the deck out or whatever, but that's that's something most managers uh, sure I imagine do. He didn't flip out. He didn't throw any chair, not go over anything. He right. didn't, you know, he he made like one speech or anything, but he didn't sort of use all his cards either. You know, he didn't break out the flipping out the table yet after in the middle of April, which I think was good. You know, if you if you're gonna flip over tables, you probably want to do it maybe July or August or <laughs> something like that when the game doesn't yeah. matter. So yeah, he you know he weathered this. Storm so far without doing anything totally bonkers. Right. So I think it'll be all right.
1: That's where you get the uh, the Bull Durham, when he throws the bats in the shower. And, uh, you know, how did we ever win eight games? It's a miracle. Uh, Patrick, I want to thank you for the time, and uh, hopefully you'll come on with us again. We would love to have you on, man. And hopefully the Mets are are relevant enough to do so.
2: Hopefully. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I had a great time
1: awesome definitely uh, uh check out patrick's uh blog at patrickfloodblog.com uh he's part of the SNY network of bloggers and uh we will see you at the ballpark patrick thanks man
2: yep take care
1: all right uh patrick does a, a fantastic job and and you know what cal a lot of uh, interesting insights there a lot of a lot of fun stuff he's a he's just you got to read the guy the guy is really good he is really a good writer
0: Oh, he, he, he's, he's a talented writer, and he's got some really, really great thoughts. Like, I never really considered the the, the 2006 angle of them overachieving. Of overachieving, right, which, because which, they were I such mean, a dominant team, right. But it, it makes perfect sense, and I never really thought of that, but um,
1: he's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, what I liken him to, Cal, he's like a, the Mets. Fans' version of Bill Simmons. He is a he is. That's what his writing's like. It's it's funny. It's smart. Pop culture ridden, uh, and and uh, we it's just really fun to have him on the program. So, uh, Cal, uh, we have a couple m- uh, minutes here. I want to uh, talk about uh, some of the other baseball going on, but I want to get your opinion on this before we get to the other baseball. The NFL schedule came out.
0: Yes, it did.
1: I don't know if you saw this, but the Jets and the Giants play each other this year on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. And guess who doesn't have Jet season tickets anymore? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Give me a hint. Tito Puente. He does not. No. You don't have season tickets. That's right? also correct. Wow. And me and Tito Puente.
0: This is wow. So. Uh, so if but, I. But let's be let's be honest. Yeah. Could you have pulled off a trip to the Meadowlands on Christmas Eve? No. Okay. Well,
1: <laughs> negatory, good buddy. So on my my son's second Christmas Eve and the one he'll actually know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, no. No. I'll always... be in I'll be in Texas, kid. I'll be in Texas. You will. Oh wow. Yes. Christmas in Texas. Nice. Boot scootin' Christmas.
0: <laughs>
1: That's not – I shouldn't say that. I'm going to get in trouble. I have another question for you, Cal.
0: Okay. Ooh, what are you looking at?
1: I'm looking at uh, the – you recruit...
0: You're pulling up a, ske- uh, a question for me, aren't you? I'm your...
1: pulling up a question.
0: From the Question Machine 2000. I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. Cal, there's a uh, a recruit, highly sought-after recruit for the St. John's Redmen. Or Red Storm, sorry. Oof. And there go the there go the American Indians. Forget about that. <laughs> uh, his name, Cal, is God's gift. Achiuwa. Yeah. He is a six foot eight power forward from Eric Community College.
0: That's his name.
1: His name is God's gift.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Two words. With the apost the possessive apostrophe. Cal. Really. Well what's, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I thought you and Doctor Iray had some clever banter today. Why don't you tell the people what you said? Well, you, know, I, I
0: thought right away. Wouldn't, wouldn't God want uh, a guy named God's Gift to play for St. John's?
1: For and sure. what? And what did Doctor Ray say?
0: He said, "I would. I'll quote him. I don't want to <laughs> misinterpret the quote. I would think God's Gift would prefer a much more picturesque campus."
1: Now, I, I, didn't I didn't like that. I, I did a little more research. I dug a little deeper.
0: Oh, oh hard-hitting investigation. What did you get?
1: He is, uh, I believe he's Nigerian. Okay. And I believe his name is a translation. Is it uh, John? John? No, no, no. Like, I
0: believe John Williams?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe his mother named him God's gift.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, so it's a Nigerian name. that moves, That, moves that
1: translates it. to God's, God's gift. gift.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: However, if your name translates to God's gift here in the States, mm. go with the Nigerian name. <laughs> That's my advice to you.
2: <sighs>
1: I, I saw this this morning in the paper, Cal, and I did... A a quadruple take There's a player named God's Gift Achiwa
0: Thankfully you were not drinking water at the time
1: I would have done a complete tripper Spit take (laughs) Professional threes company spit take (laughs) That was, yeah Mr. Furley might as well have walked (laughs) in (laughs) You know Kissing
2: Oh man What?
0: I don't believe it No Come on Jack, we have to get it on
1: what? what? <laughs> tripper!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why oh, does Mr. Angelino always make me laugh? Oh,
0: Mr. Angelino's the best. He no, was, nothing nothing compared to Dean Travers, though.
1: Dean Travers?
0: I don't remember Dean Travers. He was the dean of the cooking school.
1: Oh, my goodness. No, I don't. I just remember Mr. Angelino with the beard and the tripper. Well,
0: that's, well, that's where he worked, with Felipe in the kitchen.
1: With Jay. Oh, Jay. <laughs> Let's put that on a long list of characters you could not have a, on a sitcom today. Who, Felipe? Yeah. There's no way you could do that. Or if, <laughs> if you did, you you couldn't... Ugh. No. It, it wouldn't, I mean, tongue-in-cheek enough, you couldn't do it. The
0: Hispanic dishwasher? Yeah. The, that that yeah. doesn't go over well these days.
1: Yeah, that goes over about as well as Mickey Rooney doing, you know, uh, the landlord in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's these days. <laughs> Gosh, that is how that has got to be one of the most racist things I have. My wife loves that movie, but she hates yeah. that.
0: She hates that part. She hates his quite, part. It really is quite offensive.
1: Jack.
0: And then he named his son after him, but it was like Fernando Valenzuela, Felipe Junior, Jack something. <laughs> I just I just remember that because because Jack had saved his life once or something, and that's right. To, it, to thank
1: him, the kitchen.
0: Yeah. So to thank him, he he said, I'm gonna name my first
1: son after you and Jackie. Let me it. ask. You, let me ask you a question. The, the girls are of TV watching age. Sure. Do they have? What do they got? Do they have this? Do they have? Do they, have they don't have like a threes company. Well, they no, no, no. Yeah, they're too young. They're,
0: they're too young for that. They're not even allowed to watch like the Disney tween shows. Not yet. No, like your like your um your iCarly or your Hat um, Pat Montana. Montana, uh, Wizards of Waverly Place. What is, by the way,
1: Wizards, wizards of Waverly Place, right? A big time rush. What, them all.
2: Take it easy.
1: What is Wizards of Waverly Place? Wizards of Waverly
0: Place uh, is about a family of, of, of wizards. Uh, Natch. You might guess You might guess where they live.
1: They live on uh, Hummingbird Lane.
0: Exactly. But, um, yeah, they're, they're a family of wizards that have to kind of keep their powers secret from the rest of the world. Sounds yet, fantastic. Yeah, you know, always use their powers to get themselves out of wacky hijinks. And the father is played by one of the DeLuise sons. Oh! On uh, Jump Street DeLuise? No, it's, it's not him. I think it's Michael DeLuise. It's
1: not Peter DeLuise. It's not Peter DeLuise. Michael DeLuise is famous for being in what movie? Oh, if you get this, oh I'm, my! I'm gonna get this. Wayne's World.
0: He was in Wayne's World.
1: He is one of the uh, crew, one of the Wayne's World crew.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: One okay. of the Wayne's World crew.
0: Well, he plays—he plays, he plays the—he uh, plays the exasperated father of three teenage
1: kids with with mis- mystical powers. Yeah, well, he's no Mr. Walsh. Tell you that much. He's no Mr. Walsh. By but the like, way, M- Mr. Walsh, extraordinarily bald yeah. now. By the way. Have you seen him in anything? As opposed to what he was back 20 years ago? No, he's got like the the Chrome Dome with the side, you know, the like the guy in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. <laughs> the yeah. Lando Calrissian's guy.
0: Yeah. Well, Speaking okay. of
1: which, we didn't talk about the Yankees at all tonight.
0: It's all right.
1: You know, because it's April and, you know, uh, things really don't get interesting in Yankee land until September. Right. But Bartolo Colon? Tough to look at. Wow, you he looks that. like he looks like a Lucas, uh, like a Lucas puppet, but in the new ones, like like he looks like one of the bosses for the Trade Federation. <laughs> like, like he
0: should be chomping on a cigar. Or yeah, like... that's not. He looks like Watto. He does look <laughs> like
1: Watto. Oh, that's not a good thing. Goodness, it, yeah, yeah. yes, he does. And how's uh, Pedro Feliciano doing? Uh hurt. He was yep. abused. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> who did that? Who would do that? Who would throw
0: him in 85 games a year for three years? I in don't know. Somebody and me- would so- who would sign him off of that?
1: I don't know. Somebody that maybe had him under contract? The Mets were. What? I don't know. How's uh, Soriano doing?
0: Good. He was just very excited last night.
1: Yeah? Pumped up? Yeah. yeah real pumped. So it pays to throw money at your bullpen, is what you're saying. Uh, I'm still bitter about that. Can you tell? Uh, no, I haven't. I can't tell. You <laughs> seem over it. Let's uh, let's thank our guest, Cal. Patrick Flood, Patrick Flood, S N Y Nets blogger, Patrick Flood, Patrick Flood, blog.com. He is uh, he's really really good. And we thank Patrick for joining us. Next week, Cal, maybe we should have uh, maybe we'll have Linder on. So, uh, join us next week. We'll talk to uh, Jay Linder about uh, the NBA playoffs. And also about Cowboys and Aliens. (laughs) Because he he is busting to talk about Cowboys and Aliens. He's a big
0: fan of that movie, huh?
1: He is indeed. Cal, final unload.
0: My final unload is uh, to welcome back Jason Day. Well, we hardly knew ye last year. You're back
1: today, and uh, hopefully you'll provide the Mets with a little bit of a spark. Okay, and my final unload, uh, it goes out to uh, Andy Martino, a guy who I've been uh, very personally critical of. Uh, for taking a chance, I think it's—I I don't know if I agree with it—but uh, I think it's an interesting route you're taking, beat writing down, and uh, I'll be interested to see uh, if it—if it sort of picks up and becomes popular. So that is all the time we have. Check out www.rtusports.com. That's our website, Cal, and uh, we'll be back next week. Say goodnight night to the people, Gracie. Good night
0: to the people, Gracie.
1: All right, thanks everybody. Good night.